In motorsport, consistency and performance is all that matters. The pinnacle of Australian motorsport is the Supercars Championship, and they trust race fuels. And you can too. Maybe you do club sprints, maybe you're into motocross, or maybe you rip around the karting track. Race Fuels has products if you're interested in consistency and performance. Find out more at racefuels.com.au. Two of the very best operators marked up in the garage. Wow. This has been coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. It's the Parked Up Podcast. We're powered by Race Fuels. My name's Grant Rowley. I'm joined by Tony Delberto. We are in different states, but you look really nice tonight. Your hair's oh. like really high. Yeah, my hair's good. Uh, not bad actually after a day's work. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just the lighting. I've set up uh, a lamp just in front of me and it's just, you know, the reflection and everything's looking very nice on Zoom to, tonight. Right. Uh, how are you, mate? Uh, a week down in isolation. Now, mm-hmm. I know you've been staying very low, doing the right thing, mm-hmm. but there might have been a few cheeky beers that I know our trainer will not be happy about when you get nah. back to Melbourne. I've been actually racking up the step counts while I've been here. So Lee how? won't be too... Well, mum mum and dad have been taking me out for little walks around. I'm, <laughs> I'm in the, the beautiful south coast of New South Wales. So there's heaps to see around here there's like whales going through the ocean just around and uh, dolphins and um dad's fridge has some beers in there so that's kind of good it does you know what and and mum mum was like doing my washing as well there's some some things that i've missed about not uh not being at home for sure (laughs) one thing i am concerned about there though uh Mum is not cooking at the moment. What's going on for dinner? <laughs> That's right. You can see back. You can see back behind me. She's uh, she's still at work, so she's uh, she's keeping the country going. So um, no one gets in there and cooks a meal, or you just no, wait for her to get no, home. That you know what? Even though we're down on the deep south coast here, Uber Eats still works down here. Oh, don't you worry. Don't you worry. Yeah. I've got it figured out. Hey, we've got a big show of the Parked Up podcast. Heaps to talk about. There's some breaking news that um, we actually held, usually I publish the pod around 4 or 5 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. This time it's been delayed until 8 a.m. And that is to make sure that we got uh, some big news that uh, you'll see a little later on. Uh, so uh, we go at 7.59? Stick- no, we can't break an embargo. Why? We don't break embargoes. I work in public relations. If I broke an embargo, I set embargoes all the time. Now, if I broke one, that would be... That would be terrible, and I would be doing my fellow embargoists a dis- disservice. <laughs> I don't think an embargoist is actually a word. Um, okay, so uh, we've got some some news coming up. We've uh, we're also going to talk with Valvoline Alfa Romeo TCR driver Michael Caruso. Heaps to speak to him about, whether it's in TCR, whether it's in supercars. Uh, I know we're going to ask him about some Gen Three stuff. So. Uh, we'll get you know because we've already done the interview don't tell don't (laughs) ruin it for the people don't ruin it for the people Uh, and we're going to catch up with Connor O'Brien from speedcafe.com to go through some of those gen 3 uh, questions to go through some of the big supercars news and also talk about uh, some pretty lazy Formula 1 and MotoGP races not much happened there's not much to talk about there sounds like we've got a big show mate I reckon we should crack on with it we should but one quick thing before we get into it your race car since the last time we spoke turned oh, from yeah. blue to yellow. Yeah, it certainly did. That that was actually uh, a, a big event in my life that I'd totally forgotten about. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, we had a, a launch event in Sydney, which uh, for obvious reasons, uh, myself and Justin Lacey from Honda Australia from looks after the PR for Honda, couldn't attend. And yourself, you, you were meant to come as well and you couldn't attend I was gonna come. I was going to come hold people's handbags. <clears throat> That's right. Uh, we had a big event on at Peter Warren Honda, uh, the dealership. They had three customers that had purchased their brand new Honda Civic Type R LE limited edition, if you're wondering what that stands for. Sounds like shoes, uh, though. Limited editions, they sound like shoes. Yeah, it was very fancy and it, it um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so we launched our new livery, which coincided with the, the launch of the new LE, which is a bright yellow, mm. uh, which is going to stand out amazingly on track. And uh, we did some filming at Ludnam Park, and we had our mate Kaliz there. He mm-hmm. did some photos. and uh, Big boy. Yeah, and uh, we had Timmy Brook. He was there doing some driving, and, and my engineer, actually, David Fife. Um, turned race car driver that day and actually drove the race car around uh, London Park. So he reckons it's all set up and perfect and amazing <laughs> and uh, we're going to win the next round. So no, it was a great event. Um, thank you to Peter Warren Honda because they put a huge amount of work in behind the scenes and we were meant to come up and then last minute everything got turned on its head and uh, they had to had to uh, continue on with the show and they did a great job. So yeah. car looks awesome. Love it. Yep. Yeah, it looks great. looks terrific. And as uh, if anyone hasn't seen it, jump on the Parked Up uh, Facebook page or Instagram and you'll be able to see the bright yellow new hues for Tony's number 50 Honda Civic uh, and a striking resemblance to a former DJR Falcon, the Shell Falcons of the that sort of 2003-2004 era. Is that where you got the inspiration for the livery? You'd swear that we had. Uh, it's so similar, um, but no, we didn't. And uh, it wasn't until um, one of our eagle-eyed Facebook fans actually uh, put a photo up of the Shell livery and said, hey, boys, this looks pretty similar. And then we're like, oh, yeah, actually, very it really similar. does. Um, but funnily enough, Grant, I actually drove that livery at a retro round at Sandown with Scotty Pie. Mm. Uh, I think it was back in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a little bit of history with that particular livery. So it all just sort of, uh, fitted in really nicely, but it, it wasn't, uh, planned at all, but happy to, uh, to say it was and go along with it. Yep. Cool. Now, well, the car looks good. I actually prefer the blue. If I'm, if I'm honest, the yellow looks good because it's new and it's different yep. and it's going to really stand out in, in amongst a TCR pack that is typically blue white, blue, or Red. red so uh the yellow is going to be really cool let's get into the the news and we're going to join up with connor o'brien to talk about all the things that are going on in the world of motorsport and this is the news the news is brought to us by motorsportwebsites.com.au they have a brand new website it looks fantastic tony i know you've been there many Absolutely. times to look at what they've got going on uh, and they're actually, we're actually currently building a new website for race fuels as well. And of course, the uh, the good old Network R website, it's up there going. And you know what you can do at the Network R website, don't you? 
Oh, dear. Yes, we know. Something to do with buying little kids' books. Okay. Uh, On the line, we have Connor O'Brien from speedcafe.com.au. He is basically the biggest of the dogs who works at Speed Cafe, and it's great to have him on for the very first time. Connor, how are you? G'day, Grant. G'day, Tony. Thanks. uh, I I wasn't sure if this day would ever come. (laughs) (laughs) We've asked you. I've asked you plenty of times. This is it. This is it. Don't <laughs> don't stuff it up. Don't stuff it up. All right. Hey, Connor, heaps of stuff going on in Supercars News. We've actually delayed uploading this pod until 8 a.m. Tuesday morning to ensure that we can talk about the very special news that Greg Murphy is making a return to the Bathurst 1000 alongside Richie Stanaway in a wildcard entry supported by Boost driving for Erebus Motorsport. Tell us about it. Yes, massive news. It's um, yeah, obviously great for, for the sport to have uh, now this joining the super cheap uh, wildcard from Triple Eight and with Russell Ingle and Brock Feeney. So yeah, to have um, to have two wildcards of that caliber, yeah, it's going to be yeah, massive just for come the great race in October. And uh, yeah, massive uh, effort gone in by Addo to um, to get Stanaway and Murphy on board. They were both a bit reluctant. Uh, but um, but I think yeah, that will have a, a lot of support. It's really good to see as well, Richie, um, come back um, after obviously it was a little bit of a tough, uh, t- tough finish to I guess uh, his previous time in Supercar. So it'd be cool to have him uh, back. A guy that's really talented. Who was the uh, the driver that had to really twist the arm of? Uh, definitely Richie. Uh, I mean, both of them, uh, both of them were reluctant at first, but uh, I know. Peter has said that Richie was the one that really took a bit of uh, a bit of convincing to finally get over the line. So he did announce that he was going to effectively retire from the sport. And I saw today, speedcafe.com, the first to tell us that he's going to actually compete in another event. Uh, is this the start of a Richie Stanaway sort of comeback and the, he's found his mojo? I hope so. But um, he basically, from what I understand, is that he will just see how this goes. Essentially, like it's um, it's a pretty spectacular way to make your your comeback um, at the biggest race in Australia. And uh, yeah, so I think he's just going to see how this goes, and then um, potentially look at pro driving full time. Maybe nothing. Well, yeah, I, I think he's kind of going to leave his options open there until you know maybe even as late as actually the event itself. And and Tony, maybe you're interested to hear what you think. Murph's been out of the seat now for for a few years. Uh, it'll take him a little while to get back in. He he's he's you know one of the absolute all time greats, particularly at Mount Panorama. How do you how long do you think it'll take him to sort of settle back into the groove? And will he be faster than Russell Wingle? I think that's the biggest question. <laughs> I think that is the biggest question. Look. I- I don't think it's going to take very long. He hasn't been totally out of a seat. He drives plenty of different race cars in New Zealand very, very often. Um, you know, it'll probably just take him maybe a little bit to get his head around an Erebus Commodore, uh, the way they set the cars up. And But, you know, after a couple of test days, I have no doubt in my mind that um, those guys will be on the money. The, the tricky bit for them is uh, there's obviously a bit of a gap between a co-driver role and a main main driver role and uh, when it comes down to qualifying for the great race that's where i think you'll probably see those boys maybe get outdone a little bit by the regulars 
um, that are in the car all the time, setting the cars up, knowing what to expect from the new tire. But once you settle into a race pace, I reckon the old Murph, the old five, five minute penalty Murph will come out <laughs> and you, you can never discount that guy Bathurst. It's just, you know, it just Murph and Bathurst go hand in hand. Can't I, reckon... Mur- yeah, I can't believe you're saying that Murph is best remembered at Bathurst for his five-minute penalty. He's won the race four times. No, I'm just <laughs> he set the lap of the gods and you're bringing up five-minute penalties. I'm just saying that aggression, that anger. But <laughs> you're right. There's so many great memories that uh, Murph has contributed to that great race. So I'm excited to see him back. I reckon it's going to be awesome. And no doubt, you know, Richie Stanaway is a talent behind the wheel and it was a shame the way all- that all went down. Maybe this time away has given him just a little bit of time to refocus and uh, maybe he'll come back with an open mind and a fresh set of eyes. And we might see him in co-driver land to begin with, but like you said, he might be, might come back uh, full time once that gen three hits. We'll see. Connor, you tell me, where do you sit Murph or Ingle? Who's the fastest when it comes to those co-driver sessions? Oh, yeah, you're, uh, you're really <laughs> dividing my loyalties here. Um, <laughs> you'd have to think, Russell probably won't mind me saying this, but you'd have to think that Murph has had a couple more steers of the car in terms of in recent years. So uh, I'll I'll say Murph, but uh, I'm sure Russell will try and prove me wrong. Very good, very good. Okay, cool. Hey, um, that's great news and excellent that there's an extra entry in the great race at Mount Panorama come October. Now, uh, heaps of other news going on in supercars land and keen to uh, see if you can sort of consolidate and wrap up all of the things that have happened in the past seven days in the world of Gen 3. Can you do that? There's so many different <laughs> layers. There's so many different tear-ups, but there's there's been quite a bit, heaps of information, daily reports on speedcafe.com that we've all been enjoying I don't know if I feel any more educated though by having read any of them. Oh, I was hoping that you'd feel much more educated by reading them. <laughs> I'm just confused. Uh, I'm confused. I'm confused. <laughs> uh, look, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a pretty crazy week, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, so much has gone on. Um, you know, supercars credit to them. I guess uh, they've started being a bit more open with uh, some of the, the communications around it, and so you know, uh, us and other media had been able to provide some kind of more context around some things you can expect uh, via Adrian Burgess talking a bit about it, the, the category head of motorsport. But then uh, obviously come Friday, 4.30 p.m., I think it was um, Australian Eastern time uh, that, uh, you know, it finally got announced that, hey, this uh, this thing's not, um, not going to be hitting the racetrack uh, until August 2022 at this stage. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty obviously massive news to end the week. So August 2022 is still... It's a long way away. Is it realistic that it will actually go, you know, we will launch then? Could Do you, do you expect that, you know, we might even see more delays? Uh, yeah, look, I wouldn't rule it out, but um, I think it is realistic that they should really be able to hit that kind of uh, deadline. It's going to be interesting uh, how, uh, how that's going to happen with mid-championship rolling out completely different cars uh, for the second half and for Bathurst and all that. Uh, I'm, uh, if I'm honest, I'm a little bit sceptical around that and how that will kind of affect the championship. But I mean, um, I take it there's a few factors at play at why they're really pushing to have this come at 2022, whether that's TV deals, commercial deals, uh, 
sale of the sport, whatever it is, uh, there's clearly a reason that they're trying to make sure it uh, doesn't get pushed back to 2023. So uh, I think there should be enough time, you know, cars first in the track in August, uh, you know, we're told um, this year for testing and then uh, all the teams hopefully having a car by sort of about the end of end of the year. So yeah, I do think August, 2022 is possible, realistic. Do you think they could be a little bit more open with what's going on just to cut back on some of the speculation? I mean, if they told us the reason why they need need this car to be on track in 2022, then you go, okay, we get it. We understand, but we're just oh, all guessing. 100%. As I said, I mean, at least uh, there's been a bit more open, openness of late, but uh, yeah, I, I don't understand the secrecy that's going on around it. You look at Formula One, look at NASCAR, They've all been pumping up how cool these next generation cars are going to be. Uh, I don't see why supercars hasn't been doing the same, but I guess they've got their reasons. But yeah, I, I definitely think being more transparent would be good for teams, uh, fans, media. And like you say, like it just cuts out a lot of the speculation because there's informed kind of actual, con- uh, well, actual quotes and actual, you know, this and that kind of going out there. Speaking of Formula One, uh, there was a big race at Baku overnight. Uh, did you actually stay up and watch the race? Because I, I watched about 20 laps and fell asleep and then woke up this morning and it was the results were out of control. I was like, what's happened? It's like erupted. What happened? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great. I, um, I try, to, uh, try to stay up as often as I can to one of these Grand Prix and Baku in particular is usually, uh, usually a, a cracker. It took a little bit longer than usual I reckon uh, to kind of kick off um mm. it didn't really until the last kind of sort of five ten laps or, or so but um yeah Pirelli saved Pirelli saved us on that one yeah yeah that um yeah it was looking pretty straightforward that uh it's going to be Verstappen Hamilton oh, sorry Verstappen Perez Hamilton probably as the top three and then um Verstappen obviously had his issue as he did stroll with his tires on the on the high, high speed straight and then um a rare situation where you have a standing restart for the last two laps of your race and uh Strange. Hamilton yeah yeah it was bizarre I thought they might just call it but um Hamilton obviously got ahead and then uh locked up into into the first corner and yeah that was it so as it turned out the two title protagonists got no points and uh yeah it was a, a it was cool to see yeah Perez uh, first podium first win for Red Bull Vettel first podium for Aston Martin and uh, yeah so and then Pierre Gasly I think yeah always does a really good job in that Alcantara so yeah it's cool to see some different names up there I love that track it's an amazing track there's so much going on there so many different things I'm not sure about that little funnel uh that little bit where they go up the hill there through that one lane little (laughs) piece of road that you could barely hold a go-kart race through but that didn't seem to hamper anyone on the weekend it was all that turn 15 down the hill Breaking, yeah, locking turn tires. Three as well. Yeah, turn, yeah, turn three. three uh, caught out Ricardo and Snowder and Signs. Sorry, yeah, in quality. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely more fun to watch than probably is to drive in some ways. I don't know. <laughs> I tell you Mate, what, though, Verstappen, Verstappen would be uh, so relieved to see Hamilton go out as well in that race. Like for a moment there, he would have been absolutely shitty as hell that he lost a tire and didn't finish the race. And then to see Hamilton get, you know, have a locked break and not finish in the points, you know, both of them got out of jail almost. Yeah, yeah. Well, as it turned out, Red Bull 
uh, well, there was no damage in the drivers and Red Bull picked up 25 points in the uh, constructors to Mercedes none. So uh, because obviously uh, Bottas had a dreadful weekend. So uh, yeah. yeah, so it ended up kind of working out not too bad for Red Bull after it looked like it was a complete disaster. And mate, we also saw some MotoGP on the weekend as well. Pretty good result for Jack Miller inheriting a third place over there at Catalonia and also a good win for Remy Gardner in Moto2. Your take on the, uh, the the race at Barcelona? Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to say, like, yeah, really cool to have uh, Remy Gardner confirmed to be stepping up to MotoGP uh, next year. So that'll be, um, that'll be great. And he keeps kicking goals in Moto2 and did a great job. Uh, and then, yeah, Moto, uh, Moto GP. I mean, it's always great racing, isn't it? And uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, Miller didn't, like, started second, didn't quite really have the pace to kind of threaten to win, but uh, just hung in there. And then uh, there's some odd stuff going on with uh, Portararo, the, uh, the, the championship leader, who got a, he finished third on the road just ahead of Miller, got a penalty for uh, shortcutting the uh, turn one, two complex. And then uh, got a further penalty, which put him back to sixth for, uh, oh, how do you even describe it? The, uh, yeah, the, the kind of, he ended up having his chest hanging out uh, in, the, in the last <laughs> few, few laps of the race, which uh, I don't know about you. Oh, was, but, that, uh, was that during the, I thought it was after the race. No, no, it was the last, about four laps of the race. Uh, oh. I don't know about that going like sort of 350 down the Barcelona straight. I'm not sure uh, that sits too well with me, but yeah, so he ended up getting a three second penalty, which moved him again back from fourth to sixth. But uh, yeah, that's, that looked pretty wild. He actually reached in and grabbed his chest protector out. It showed on the cameras and, uh, and chucked it away. So yeah, it was uh, all a bit odd. I don't yeah. know exactly why, what happened there, but uh, yeah, I'm so- sure that'll all come out. So where does that put Miller now in the championship? That puts Miller third, I believe. Uh, I'm hoping that I've still uh, that, that hasn't changed, but just ahead of his teammate. Uh, so yeah, Quadraro first, uh, Johan, Johan Zarco second, and then Miller's sort of about off memory about thirty, no, maybe twenty five points off Quadraro. So uh, he's right in the mix, and uh, yeah, he's had a really good run of form. Obviously, the last sort of four. Grand Prix, so uh, yeah, seemingly coming together well for him after a tough start. And obviously, the race was won by uh, Oliveira uh, on the KTM. Now he's down in seventh in the championship, and you've absolutely nailed it on the uh, championship points. You're not standing sitting there in front of your speed cafe, but I did <laughs> I did use your great website just then to find out uh, exactly where they were when I was working back at speed cafe, if those championship points weren't updated, like the second those cars crossed the finish line, there was, there was a, there was a big man with a big gruff voice getting right down there. <laughs> yeah. That, that some things never changed, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now tell me, you just, you said that you watched uh, the formula one race last night. I, you, I know you and Stefan Bartholomew from the V8 sleuth, your former speed cafe, uh, man, former uh, supercars.com, uh, staff or with yourself um do you guys did you guys catch up do you, is that still a little gold coast yeah, yeah. tradition you'd got up going up there absolutely every uh yeah every grand prix um uh generally so last night yeah driving down to stefan's place and uh yep so then uh getting home at about sort of what one o'clock after the race the red flag i tell you didn't really help my chances of getting enough sleep before uh starting monday but um <laughs> but yeah yep that's uh that long live the tradition part of the job that's it. Yeah, That's yeah, it. yeah, exactly. 
Connor O'Brien, we thank you so much for joining us on the Parked Up podcast, mate. It This was the first time, but it won't be the last. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me, boys. Cheers, mate. And that was great to have Connor O'Brien on the Parked Up podcast. And as we mentioned earlier, now we have our very, very, very special guest. He, His name is Michael Caruso. He drives in the TCR Australia series in his Valvoline Alfa Romeo. He also drives for Team 18 in the endurance races. He'll pair up with Mark Winterbottom later this year at the Bathurst 1000. And he's going to join us now on the Parked Up podcast. There's heaps to talk about, whether it's TCR, whether it's supercars. I'm sure, Tony, you and I are going to ask him about Gen 3. He loves he loves just throwing, uh, throwing some ideas and throwing some opinions out there. So let's get into it. It's Michael Caruso on the Parked Up podcast, and we're powered by Race Fuels. And it's great to welcome Michael Caruso onto the Parked Up podcast. Caruso, so many things to talk to you about. How are you going? Oh, I can't believe I've got a second call up. <laughs> I'm, I feel very privileged, boys. Not many people have actually got the second call up for Parked Up. We usually like to spread the love, but but you know that we've uh, you know we've got a soft spot for you. Uh, you recent, you recently Victor in the super cheap auto TCR Australia series. You've just come off some testing with team 18, uh, in the, in the Irwin Commodore. You've got lots to talk about and I'll leave it up to you. What do you want to talk about first? Uh, well, I mean, it would be crazy not to talk about the racing calendar being all changed at the moment. It's obviously, uh, it needed to happen, but it's, uh, it's something that, I didn't want to happen because I'm, I'm missing racing, you know, mm. like we're, we're not running again until what is it? TD late August or oh, something. Yeah. Mid August. It's crazy. <laughs> it is a crazy world we're living in at the moment, but um, yeah, look, understandable why it has happened. And it's just, you know, I'd, I'd like to hope that um, this will be the last time that we, you know, that we have any dramas going forward because I just want to get in that rhythm. And, you know, I felt like we were, well, especially for me, um, we'd just come off, you know, turning our year around and now got to wait again to, uh, to get it back going again. Michael, um, not a lot of people would know that your engineer, Killer, works for our family business. And since Eastern Creek or Sydney Motorsport Park, I've been uh, just slowly getting information out of him, just a little bit. doesn't even know it's happening. Just trying to get a few setups out of him. <laughs> trying to work out how you've turned your season around because mate, I'd, I'd love to do the same. Um, no, but uh, yeah, Steve uh, works for our family business. He's a, he's an awesome guy and he's someone that's worked with you in the past. How's that relationship going into TCR now? Yeah, it's been great. Thanks TD. And, uh, and thanks for giving him a job because. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't they... pay him enough. <laughs> no, he, I mean, yeah, he's obviously he's not earning enough uh, on race weekend. But no, clearly look, not. <laughs> no, we, we we laugh about it all the time. Actually, uh, that he's uh, got his boss at the during the week, and then on the race weekends, I, I try to stir him up. Um, you know that we the first person we've got to beat is the boss, but he doesn't like that. <laughs> and apparently, every time. Um, if we go better than you or like, you know, if we do a good job on the weekend, he has a shit week ahead because you go back to work and you just hammer him at work. Is that true? 
Actually, probably not me. Uh, probably my old man would be <laughs> chewing his ear off and uh, yeah, telling telling him about how bad our weekend was. Um, no, he, he dad's pretty good actually. He keeps it quite professional, um, but we do have a bit of fun with it. There's there's no doubt about that. But ripper guy and, and mate, he's done amazing things. He's done amazing things at our work. So uh, you got the right guy behind you there. But you better watch out because if you got no racing for him next year, then I'm going to take him to do something else. I reckon. <laughs> mate, I've, I'm I'm locked away, mate. I hate to tell you. Oh, you locked and loaded. <laughs> I'm locked and loaded, mate. It's a two-year deal. Um, there you go. I'm good to go, mate. But look, in but all does that include last year's COVID year? No, no, they just moved it forward. Just moved <laughs> it forward for this year, mate. So we're 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 sorted. We're all sorted. Bruce, uh, I just uh, just thinking about the uh, killer. The killer piece, the your engineer Stephen Toddkill. Um, I obviously worked. Well, you were you've worked with him for quite some time through GRM, Nissan Motorsport, and now into into TCR as well. You, I used to sometimes just be privy to some of your conversations in the in the Nissan Motorsport world with, you know, how you guys were going to go about a, a race strategy or how you were going to go about uh, set up on on those fabulous Nissan Altimas that uh, we used to pedal around. But um, is how much, is there much, how much can you actually do with the, with the TCR car? How closely, how important is the role of an engineer in TCR? Uh, it is actually pretty important. And, and particularly uh, when you think about it, I mean, it's very, very different uh, being in a front wheel drive category and a category that's, purely focused on sprint racing. So um, those two elements uh, for, for us, you know, like it, me, me personally adapting to a front wheel drive car, you know, what, um, I mean, obviously working with Steve, the best bit about it is he knows what I need to get the most out of a car. So applying that to a front wheel drive car is, is you know, something new to me because I've never, never done it before up until this year or last year rather, but um, just trying to, you know, have that communication between each other to, to make that process a lot quicker. And, um, and really at the end of the day, when you, when you only get two half an hour practice sessions uh, at a race weekend, you need to be, you need to get on top of it as soon as possible. You don't want to wait till Sunday afternoon and walk away thinking, well, that's a missed opportunity. We just got it sorted and it's all over. So um, yeah, that's, it's a lot of the, really comes down to just knowing each other really well. He's obviously extremely qualified and, um, and really good at his role, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying the challenge and, and I think he is as well. No, he's an absolute gun. Um, let's get your take on your test day at Winton uh, in the Irwin car. Um, is that the first time you've actually really driven that car in anger? Uh, no, I've been fortunate. I did a few laps at the first day and and then i did a ride day at sand um sorry at um yeah no it was Sandown actually at Sandown yep. as well so uh it, it was good i mean i didn't you know, as you know tita you don't get as many laps as you would like being a co-driver but um understandably the uh you know the boys have got um their mid-season and they're focused on you know on the championship and um you know and, and they're trying to find some progress so uh the next test day uh Mark has told me I can do, you know, uh, all day. He probably there might you not. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be good. But it's good to be in a race car. I mean, you, you know what we're like. We're all the same. We, we just love driving. And 
uh, any opportunity to get a steer and it was it's good to get down there and um you know get familiarized with the team as well because you know it, the the real challenge i guess compared to years you know or i guess recent years is that you only got one shot at it now and mm. um the sport is highly highly competitive really really fierce racing so you you've got to come out of the box uh you know after not doing many laps throughout the year and get it done so surely uh now i know tony complains about this on air off air uh, anyone who's willing to lend an ear but one one endurance race for supercars um is not ideal for uh endurance drivers like you boys um how quickly how how much do you want that to change maybe they can go back to two endurance races in 2022 what's your take how frustrating is this only having the one big race and it, it is the great race and it's the best race and you still get to be involved in that but it is only one yeah look oh, i mean i i think more importantly for a category that um is is effectively an entertainment sport and run for the people you know that it's the fans that are missing it just as much as anybody else. And I think I'm surprised um, that it's gone, you know, another year with only one endurance race and not even any discussion around the next few years. I mean, everyone's predicting that it'll go to two and who knows what, but um, you know, for the category themselves to just avoid discussing it and even um, contemplating what they'll do in the future. I mean, they've missed a very big opportunity particularly you know i know from a sales point of view how important those endurance races are or i guess how valuable they are because they obviously mm. can earn a lot more money you know and even when you talk about network television they want the big races you know that and, and we know that channel seven obviously at the beginning of the year didn't announce uh initially what events they were going to do because <laughs> there's not many to pick from when you're doing um and no disrespect you know places like winton or whatever you don't want the the major events, you know, the obviously the endurance races. So, you know, from a commercial point of view, from a fan's perspective, and 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 I guess um, from a driver's, I, I can't see anybody um, other than team owners. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I guess even from you know the smarter team owners will will agree that um, from a commercial point of view, it helps their business. Uh, it gets them you know in front of the right people on at the right time of the year as well, when, you know, that's that's when the big big sports are playing their big games. And and I think that's, um, you know, maybe an opportunity for TCR to step up and do something a little bit different and and um, and give the people what they want if another category isn't willing to do that. Um, it's, it's really disappointing, to be honest, that they don't do more endurance races. Like I'm in the same boat as you, I, I wish they would. Um, it's obviously costs a bit more money for the teams to have, a, you know, to do these co-driver long races. Also probably cost them a little bit more to pay the co-drivers. Um, now, without going into any details, my salary has been decreased because of the lack of races. Are you in the same boat? Because I'm sure everybody's feeling the pinch. Oh, look, there's no doubt. Everybody would have, you know, everyone's obviously had a cut there's no doubt about it because you're doing less work and that's understandable as well but um they, that obviously turns even from the team's point of view they can't ask for as much money from sponsors mm. if they're not doing the races that um that are as big as well so 
I can't imagine that they can get the same amount of money for not doing um, the endurance races, which again, you know, they were, they were the highlight of the end of the year. I think you got the championship is one thing. And I think there's a lot of people that agree, you know, there's only a few in the running by that time of the year in the mm. championship contention. Uh, but then it, there was an opportunity for other teams, maybe teams that didn't have the ability or the money to, um, to have a crack at the championship that can go for, you know, focus on the endurance events. And we've seen, you know, we've seen that in the past where, you know, the, uh, the underdogs can come through and get results at those events. And, and then, and it's a story as well, isn't it? You know, that the 500 leading into 1000 it's history. And again, yeah. you know, you take that in as well. Why we, why would you step away from, you know, the one small piece of history our sport has, which is the endurance races. It blows me away. But again, this is not just from a driver's point of view. Even if I wasn't driving today, though, you know, those are the races that I would definitely be interested in watching because um, you just don't know. It's never guaranteed who's going to win them, uh, much like other events that we see now with the, the sprint races. It certainly does add a different element to it. Um, and I absolutely love endurance season, but it has a different feel about it now. We're only doing the one event. Um, I want to get your take on Gen 3, though, because if, of all the drivers that I know, um, you're probably the most connected and, and the guy that's probably willing to put, put uh, an opinion across. Um, you know, to introduce Gen 3 midway through next year, for me, I just I can't exactly see how that works. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, again, I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, look, let's talk about the positives that okay. they, they haven't <laughs> been short. This will be a short one, but no, look, they've obviously agreed that they, they shouldn't rush it, which was the mm. biggest concern. I mean, sure. you know, they haven't got a car out to do anything at the moment other than a couple of shells. So it's good that they're not going to rush it because that, that gives them the time. Well, that, that allows them the opportunity to do it right. Whether they, whether they use this time now to, to implement and give and put the right product on the track is completely and utterly up to them. I mean, this has been a process now for many, many years, the next generation car. I mean, I remember being talked about five years ago. So it's, this has been in the pipeline for quite some time. And, um, but to drop your question about dropping it, uh, what is it in August next year? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, in in my experience of watching any high form motorsport or championships, I haven't I haven't seen that happen, and and seen anybody enjoy it if if it has. But it's not, you know, bringing a completely new range of cars out. There's so many complications around it. Are they going to get to test it? Um, what's the, I guess, what's it going to look like? Is there going to be a mid-season break? Everybody just throws the other cars away, starts testing, do another test season. Um, are they going to stop the championship in August and give, you know, someone have this, you know, a first part of the championship and someone have the second part? I don't know how you can award a championship to someone that's been in, two completely different race cars in my opinion no. but it's certainly not questions. ideal and and, on a, and they don't really give any information as well and, no. and i mean again they haven't exactly explained why they want to do it mid-season and you know i feel like they sometimes succumb to pressure from 
certain people and certain organisations that they shouldn't because they should be more worried about the people that that really keep this sport going and that's the fans at the end of the day. So um, they, they seem to keep ignoring them. I mean, we've heard the paddle shift stuff over and over and over again. Yeah. But you can guarantee it's going to be paddle shift. I don't know why we just... Why not just just come out with it and say, look, that's what we want to do. And mm-hmm. these are the these are the reasons why it's going to be good. Not yep. um, not avoid it. And then mid-season, while everybody's focused on the championship, there'll be a bunch of stuff going on with Gen 3 that you'll never hear about because you'll be everybody will be too busy worrying about what's going on in the current season. So um, there'll be some surprises, I guarantee it. So <laughs> it'll be an interesting year, that's for sure. So if it does happen that the Gen 3 comes in August, you know, we might see the Sandown 500 or the Bend 500 or whatever it might be sort of be re- reborn to ensure that guys like yourselves don't head to Bathurst in these brand new cars, which are going to be significantly different. They won't be wildly different to what we've currently got, but, you know, they'll, they'll have a lot of less aero and, and think things will be different and, and chucking you guys straight into a Bathurst 1000, probably with minimal laps, minimal testing laps will hopefully be avoided. So uh, the good thing with Gen 3 and in a late intro like August might mean that you might actually get your wish and you get a, a precursor to the 1000 back. Oh, see, I, I, I think that'll be, that won't happen because the teams that are about to outlay, and again, they'll have to outlay a lot of money to build these cars and buy these cars, right? <clears throat> so to do that, one would say that they're going to have to sell the old cars. And I can't imagine the, the money hitting anyone's account mm. um, until those cars are released from their possession to the new owners if they've sold their old cars. And then you have to buy the new cars and outlay that money. So I, I don't think there'll be that much money kicking around next year in the sport, to be honest. And we, we all know that they've stopped the endurance, well, stopped the endurance season and have one endurance race because of money. So I can't imagine we're going to have two. And even if we, even if there's the opportunity, it's, it's going to be, again, you know, there'll be limited laps because everybody will be, you know, the main drivers will be doing majority of the work and testing, understandably, to get the, you know, they, they're the guys that are frequently using the car. It's their championship. And you'll risk going to the endurance races with cars that could all break down, you know, through to, you know, I guess not understanding how they work, who's put them together the best. It'll, there's a lot of unknowns. And I just, mm. I just think, my, in my opinion, what they should do is build the car as they're currently doing and take it around next year to every round and actually do some demonstrations because they've got to sell to a lot of people that it's going to be a better thing and show the people at the racetrack. Why not take it there, show it off. This is what it's going to look like next year. This is what it sounds like. Um, you know, well, I'm talking for 2023 and build some anticipation, some hype around it. So when it actually does drop in 2023, we've seen it, we've heard it. They look great. They sound great. They go great, whatever it may be. Um, you know, you can really build it up for 2023 rather than just drop it out of nowhere uh, mid-season and no one knows what to expect and, and what type of reception it's going to get from people. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think it's going to be a challenge for them. And you could 
potentially see is going to Bathurst with cars that aren't tried and tested at doing those sort of uh, those kilometers. I mean, nowadays the Bathurst 1000 is almost like a sprint event and we know generally the cars are going to last the distance. There's going to be no mechanicals. Whereas, you know, we could see the Bathurst 1000 next year potentially being a bit of a drama in that regard. So you're not really an advocate for the mid-season than are you? And again, I haven't heard anyone come out and say it's going to be a good thing. And, and you can guarantee there'll be people getting pressure, high-profile people in the sport will be pressured into t- saying it's going to be a good thing. Again, I, I don't know why you'd hang up on that, but yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. There's going to be a lot played out politically as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've already seen a few people trip over their own words. Uh, we've seen it many a times, but, you know, recently people saying it's it's going to come out and then, it, you know, now they've pushed it back. Um, yeah. It just seems I like just, it's all yeah. over the place, though. One minute they're saying, you know, don't worry, we're under control. Literally the next week, uh, it's all postponed, guys. Like, I remember when Car of the Future came in, they had cars on track for like a year doing testing and, you know, Jack Perkins was driving it and they had the Walkinshaw car doing heaps of laps. There was heaps of driving and and um, yeah, test miles before the cars even hit the track. Yeah, exactly. With that. And you know, and that's the thing. You, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure what they're trying to set out and do. I, and again, I, I feel like that they haven't been clear with that, and maybe they they don't know what their objectives are for Gen Three because you know they just it feels like they're just throwing at a dartboard, throwing darts at the dartboard at the moment. Um, as to what they want to achieve. I mean, we've seen Formula One, how their their approach uh, for their next generation car and how organised and how clear with the communication they are with their fans at what they're trying to achieve and how it's going to be and why it's going to be successful. <laughs> mm. This feels like a no frills version of it. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, if they actually told us some information, then we wouldn't be guessing, we wouldn't be speculating. Um, you know, the fans would probably give them uh, less grief, you know, but they're just basically saying nothing and trying to get any word from supercars at all. They all just, you know, shut down. They don't want to do any interviews, nothing like that. So um, it makes you worry and it makes you think that they haven't got things under control, then they postpone it. And it's like, well, okay, give us a reason. You know, the real reason what's going on. Obviously the reason is because they're not ready, but what, you know, what are the dramas? What are the problems you're facing? Yep. You're right, TD. But uh, unfortunately I feel like they don't know. There's a lot of unknowns that they haven't even made decisions on yet. And, Mm. and it feels like their communication within their own business probably isn't working as effectively as it can. And, and maybe that's where the, um, I guess, the breakdowns, you know, start and and happen. Well, Karus, we've uh, thoroughly enjoyed your uh, insight and opinion on our uh, our sweet little parked up podcast here. Of course, you run your own podcast, which has turned into a TV show conglomerate now on KO Below the Bonnet, with yourself and David Reynolds taking it to the next level with not just audio, but also <laughs> pictures of you blokes, like moving pictures. How's it? How's the KO stuff going? <laughs> Thanks, mate. It's, no, it's been good. Um, yeah, it has been really enjoyable to, to you know, keep pushing ourselves to, um, you know, I mean, much like you guys, we just like to have a bit of fun, um, you know, 
tell the real story, which seems to be working. I mean, everybody, I think, enjoys that, um, you know, people that speak their mind rather than that have hidden agendas, I guess. So, uh, but the KO guys are, are been fantastic. Uh, that's a completely new relationship to, uh, well, I guess a new department for them because at the moment, uh, well, up until this year, they hadn't, they hadn't produced any product at all. And uh, so they've had to start their, a new department to, um, for us, which is <laughs> pretty mind blowing <laughs> when, when you think just Dave and I, um, you know, have a producer and, and people working um, on our show, you know, day to day and week to week um, in that office because <laughs> Dave's got to be one of the shonkiest blokes going around <laughs> in the best way possible there. So, um, no, we're loving it. And uh, and it's good because, uh, you know, we just want to bring more motorsport and more fun and, um, and you know, what the people want to their screen. So tell me, does it feel like Wayne's World where like you guys just used to do it in your basement and just sit around and talk, talk crap. And then now you've got producers and all these things and fancy studios or uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can wind your, wind your, wind your mind back to Wayne's World and where they got picked up by the big TV network for their, uh, for their TV show. <laughs> you know what the hardest thing about it is? As you would know, doing audio, you don't have to worry about doing your hair or wearing a you know, what you're wearing, whatever. But um, <laughs> the hardest thing we find is I'm like, hey, Dave, what colored shirt are you going to wear tomorrow? So I'm not wearing the exact color shirt <laughs> or shoes. And we look exactly, you know, like identical twins. That's literally the hardest thing about doing this. <laughs> it, or not. it sounds stupid and ridiculous, but the amount of times we've, you know, yeah, there's been some up. close calls. Yeah. 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 You know, like we're all wearing white shoes. We're all wearing yes. blue jeans. And I'm like, oh, geez, I'm, I better bring a couple of T-shirts because, you know, yeah, it's just. <laughs> you can <laughs> so, always yeah. count on Dave to wear white shoes. He's always done that. He has. He has. And and black jeans. He's a big black jeans man. And, um, yeah, <laughs> that's been the hardest thing, the wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. I like it. I'm a big black jeans man too. Uh, Reynolds and I can have that little thing together. Um, now, hey, look, I might be talking a little bit out of school here, but also potential of doing some live shows as well. Can you tell us a little bit more on that? Uh, yes, I can. We, unfortunately, from COVID, we were um, we were scheduled to do a show down at uh, Kelly Grove Racing uh, with the Penrite, obviously being the home of Penrite Racing and uh, them being our major partner of the show that we were going to do a show in their workshop um, and we're going to have some people attend the show which was going to be cool there were some fans and what have you planned to come in so the good news is uh, that we got some plans to do that towards the end of this year again so um, we'll try to make that happen but um, yeah just to, I guess trying to bring something different to the people and um, rather than just always in the studio but something a bit special and um, again it was yeah, the COVID thing sort of killed it. But, um, yeah, these things happen, mate, don't they? That bloody COVID. Get you every time. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Caruso, we thank you so much for joining us on the Parked Up podcast. Appreciate your time. And, mate, we'll, uh, we'll see you at a track soon. It's a couple a of months. Bit, it's a little bit longer than what we'd hoped for. But um, uh, Morgan Park uh, in, uh, in August, we'll definitely see you there. Thanks a lot, boys. Good to chat with you again. And can I say, you you guys are doing a good job 
delivering some good stuff out there at the moment because you're um, you're pretty frequent as well, and I think the people are enjoying it from what uh, what they're telling me. So uh, keep up good work. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Can we get Thanks, that in mate. writing, actually? Can we get that in writing? <laughs> Can you delete that last little bit? No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks, bud. See you, lad. And we thank Michael Caruso for joining us. Do you reckon we could get a deal with KO? You reckon, Tony? You reckon you and I sitting on a couch, just you and your big hair, me, <laughs> um, probably need some Botox or something, maybe a bit of hair colour to try and shape me up? What do you reckon? How do you think we'd go? I don't know if we've, our wardrobe is good enough uh, to that's go right. on to KO. Sounds like that's the biggest issue. I reckon we could be entertaining, but uh, yeah, it sounds like those boys have, that's their biggest issue. What are you going to wear tonight, mate? Uh, the same as last week, basically. So, uh, do you know, sometimes actually when I get changed from work, I think, I think I had that great jumper on last time I was on the Zoom with Grant. I better put something else on. I've got no pants on, but I've got a different jumper on. That's- <laughs> That's fine. I don't think I've ever woken up not once and stressed or worried about what I'm wearing. Well, typically I'm like black jeans, black t-shirt mm. and like dark jumper, black jumper or something like that. Like I'm just, mm. I'm boring. I'm just boring like that. Cause I don't like no. to think, I don't like to think about what colors are going to go where if I just wear the same thing all the time, then I'm good. That is very true. But you always look so smart and snazzy and snazzy. You know, presentable. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I do think you need a new pair of black jeans, though. Um, you've, you've definitely got your money's worth out of them. Um, but going back to Caruso, great to catch up with him. And he gets a bit fired up, doesn't he? When we start talking about Gen 3, he's certainly got an opinion on what should be done. There's yep. no doubt about that. He was always, when he was in supercars, you know, now that he's in TCR, he's always very vocal. Uh, you know, he, he loves and he understands the sport so well and he's been involved with it, you know, just like yourself, like from day one. His dad used to race. Uh, his dad's always been involved in the sport. And um, sure, some of his ideas are completely whack and could never, ever happen. But, uh, you know, he... He enjoys it so much and, and understands it that he's always got a position on it. So a position mm. on particular issues. So definitely worth a chat and um, we're happy to have him on. Yeah, very thankful. Um, Grant, mm-hmm. when are you actually out of isolation? What's your next move? Yeah, so I don't really do much until I got to head up to Darwin. So uh that's a little while away there's a couple of uh little family things that i need to do between uh between now and then unfortunately we had a uh a bit of a sudden uh death in the family which was uh, which was really sad pretty heavy so we're going to deal with that while while we're up here uh and then yeah get on with it and i'll pack some shorts and we'll head up to darwin and do some work Get on so with is Dear going to go to Darwin with, Darwin with you now or not? No, I don't think she is. I don't okay. think I think she would like to. If the flights weren't so damn expensive to get up to that joint at this time of year, she would definitely be a part of it. Oh, Even my on, biggest man. my biggest girl Emma D loves Darwin. Like always talks about it. We took you her. You should up take there. her with you. Mm, It'd be like, fun. Yeah, for sure. She'd actually be able to help with some of my work stuff. She could she could carry my handbags around. <laughs> Earn her, earn her cash. But on, like, if I took her up there, she wouldn't, she wouldn't care about the race cars. Dad, I'll just stay at the hotel, and like, she'd go for a swim, buy some ice cream, get her, get a bit of hotel room service. Yeah. Oh, it sounds delightful. Exactly. Let's not tell her that these things really exist. She's eleven. <laughs> she, she, she doesn't need to know that those things could actually happen. 
Fair enough. All right, mate. Well, let's uh, let's reconvene. I don't think there's actually much racing on this weekend, so you're going to have to come up with a bloody good guest next week. Uh, we'll figure out something. We'll figure out something. As always, we appreciate everyone's uh, feedback. We appreciate your listenership. And that is episode number 61 of Parked Up Podcast, powered by Race Fuels in the Can. Tony Deep, we'll see you next week. See you, mate.